Welcome to The Successful Strategist, a podcast on strategy, management, and governance dedicated to helping you answer the most important questions any organization can ask. I'm Mitchell Muncie, a consultant who has co-founded or led five startups, for-profit and non-profit, spanning the media, public policy, and higher education. And I've served on fiduciary boards for industry, academic, and youth-serving organizations. In these practical five-minute episodes, I cut through jargon and myth to offer you the same advice I give my clients. Good morning. This is the fifth episode on fundamental ideas it's necessary to understand before developing our strategy. Last time, we discussed two distinctions, between strength and advantage, and between good and unique. Organizations can't win on their strengths alone, or by being one among many good options. Yet this is exactly what a large majority of organizations try to do. An emphasis on strengths rather than advantages, and on being good rather than being unique, is usually evidence that an organization has not defined winning clearly or specifically enough, and this is our topic today. A.G. Laffley, two-time CEO of Procter & Gamble, has written that in over 40 years in business, he has found that few leaders can truly define winning. They generally speak of short-term financial measures or a simple share of a narrowly defined market. The McKinsey survey I mentioned in the last episode confirms this. Only 28% of executives say their strategy is designed above all to let the company win in specific future market conditions. If you work for a nonprofit and the language of winning doesn't seem to fit, Think of winning as success or as an ideal future. What would have to be true for there to be no need for your organization? Almost every strategic plan I review contains one or both of two forms of fuzziness on what constitutes success. First, the plans will say something about an organization becoming a leader in its industry or field. But organizations can lead in many ways in profit per employee, in new product development, in number of beneficiaries served, and so on. If a strategy doesn't state specifically what being the leader means for a particular organization at a particular time, then the organization hasn't really decided what it wants to accomplish, and the strategy doesn't allow people in the organization to make clear and coherent decisions. A second form of fuzziness about success comes when organizations make their goal doing more of what they are already doing and doing it better, with better usually coming eventually to mean more also. But this begs several questions. Why do more rather than less? Why do what they've been doing rather than doing something else? What does it mean to be better? More and better can't be achievements in themselves. Why do we prefer vagueness when stating our goals? Well, first, it feels safer to keep our options open in the face of uncertainty. And then we're reluctant to admit that there's been a serious problem with the way we approach our work, or that we've neglected to exploit a good opportunity. Finally, Laffley points out that executives don't like making choices because choices create the risk of failure. Vagueness makes failure almost impossible. That's its appeal. 
and also its flaw, because vagueness also makes success impossible. Lafley points out that those who play to play, as he puts it, instead of playing to win, almost always end up settling for mediocre results. So how do we define success clearly and avoid mediocrity? The key is to focus on people rather than on money or our wonderful products and services. If we're a for-profit, we need to focus on what we do that makes us deserve to win customers forever. If we're a nonprofit, we need to think about what we must do to change the lives of others permanently for the better. My suggestion for today is to take a few minutes to see if you can state your organization's ideal future or its definition of winning in one sentence. Does it focus on people or on things? As soon as we try to describe a specific ideal future, there will be disagreement with colleagues and allies. Choosing an ideal future requires debate, when most executives tend to want consensus. Next time, we'll discuss how decisions require disagreement. Most people learn about podcasts from friends and colleagues. If this episode was helpful, please take 30 seconds right now to recommend The Successful Strategist to one other person and share it on social media. And don't forget to subscribe yourself if you haven't already. If you'd like to receive my free twice-monthly email, which includes show notes and a summary of an important article on strategy, management, or governance, sign up at thesuccessfulstrategist.com. I'm glad we could invest this time together. Remember that being a successful strategist doesn't require specialized training or unique insight, just a commitment to asking the right questions. The Successful Strategist is a production of Prospera LLC, a consulting firm providing strategy development, nonprofit due diligence, crisis management, and interim executive management to mission driven organizations and philanthropists. Learn more at prosperallc.com. This is Mitchell Muncie. Talk to you next time.